Hi everyone. Uh, welcome back to another show of the Insurance Couch um, with my lovely co-host Oli. Oli, how are you this fine morning? I'm very well, thank you very much. The sun is shining and uh, well prepared for our discussion on a couple of topics today. Um, luckily, as you would expect, the sky is grey in Hamburg, so oh, no. um, I, I don't I don't have the same problem as you, Oli. <laughs> Sorry to hear. Um, <laughs> so, so for today, we've picked um, two topics. Um, one. Um, changing world order and what that what we mean by that and the second one you know war for talent and you know what does that mean why is it even relevant and are, are we even asking the right questions um, as usual um, we don't have um, all the answers the opinions are all ourselves and they are informed by our experience and hopefully trigger a discourse with anyone listening because um, that's one of the guilty pleasures of being able to do these podcasts. It creates a forcing function to think through things and start a conversation. And this is exactly what this is intended to do. Um, but changing world order, I mean, it sounds like, you know, a Star Wars uh, movie headline, um, you know, the Empire Strikes Back. So, um, what what do you mean by 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 that, Oli? When we're talking about the changing world order in insurance? No, absolutely. I mean, we've we've been talking about this for a while now, Nick. And um, maybe it's because I'm I'm old, but for me, in insurance industry, I've been there for for more than twenty years. Um, it's all insurers and reinsurance have always been the top of the pecking order right? of the of the world order, as you say. Um, and sales organizations were kind of looked down to now. You know, this might have been different in, in, in single cases, but in general, if you wanted to pursue a career in insurance, insurance carriers or reinsurers typically were more appealing to many, many people, to more people, I guess, than, than sales organizations. And we feel that discussing with different stakeholders in the industry, this has changed or is changing. Um, and insurance sales organizations grow more interesting, more attractive to many people, not just employees, but also investors um, or, or other people in the industry. And carriers seem to lose ground on uh, on a lot of uh, issues and a lot of things. That's, that's I think, what, we, what we've observed and uh, what we wanted to share with you guys and, and discuss our perspective on it. But you might have a totally different perspective. Okay. And, and effectively, what you're kind of saying, it's you within the industry and let's say within okay baden baden is reinsurance but you know kind of coming becoming this if you're a board member of a reinsurer then becoming the ceo of an mga um probably would raise some eyebrows and no one would say you know this is this is a smart move that's kind of what you're what you're kind of hinting at right versus vice versa is probably considered a good step right if you're yeah. if you're working for a broker even being the the ceo but then being named CEO of uh, Swiss Re or AXA or Allianz. So I, I, I think at least for the past, not sure how it is today, but at least for the past, that would have been considered a, a, a good career move. Okay, so so if we, has that been the case, let's say from an investor, you know, shareholder perspective, economic profit, et cetera, is, has that been the case as well, that uh, investors have favored insurers as, as investments over sales organizations? I feel it is the way yes um and and you know again again going back a bit um in the in the 90s when i started working for insurance a lot of capital was pouring into insurance carriers um allowing them to scale internationally in flow um, and that was the time you know 90s 2000s where generali uh, axa alliance and and a couple of others became international brands and and players um with the money obviously of investors because that's what they what was required Today, what we see is this money is, is pouring into sales organizations. We see a lot of growth in sales organizations, starting with the US, uh, coming to the UK, and now to continental Europe and other countries. Um, and in insurance carriers, we basically see they're giving money back to the capital market, right? They're not receiving any more money in total. Now, we, we're talking about the entire industry. It might be very different for single players, but the entire, the entire industry is giving back much more capital to the investors than receiving from the investors, which makes me think... This might be the case from an investor side as well that you know um, um, insurance carriers have have become less attractive to give money to. Um, they're now a dividend stock, and you get money from. Um, and insurance sales organizations, which have not been a major factor in my eyes 20, 30, 40 years ago in terms of investing money into the the segment, are now receiving huge amounts of investor money. And I think that's I think it's interesting. There is a 
and maybe I'm I'm uh, overinterpreting something, but there seems to be an inherent bias, uh, you know, growth versus dividend stock uh, in 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 what you've described, and I think that is, and you know, I'm not a macroeconomist, I. Uh, not an investor. So anyone listening, you know, this is kind of a five-year-old talking, but isn't that just a function of uh, low interest rates, cheap money, et cetera, uh, whereby um, some of the attractiveness potentially of a dividend stock, potentially at university, I still learned the term cash flow underwriting. Mm -hmm. uh, this seems to be something that uh, Warren Buffett loves about insurance. You know, you you take the premiums now. Of course, you need to make sure that asset liability matching works, but then you can work with the money. Now, it's obviously um, in a high interest environment that is much more pronounced because you, you you cannot just invest in crypto uh and hope to pay life insurance claims um but isn't it maybe just also a term of a cycle that the last 10 ever since i was you know that cycle has been uh focusing on growth growth and that is where the value sits and insurance companies could actually in a high interest focus more on profitability potentially focus more on, on dividend um actually become a reasonably interesting stock in the larger realm of the investment portfolio has nothing to do with in insurers versus insurance sales organizations, obviously, but uh, just out of curiosity, what your thoughts are on that? I think you're absolutely right. The the relative um, well, yeah, the, re the relative uh, importance for investors of insurance carriers has decreased with, uh, with real interest rates. Um, real interest rates is important because it's not nominal interest rates because um, inflation hits you very hard as an insurance company. Mm. Typically claims inflation is higher than the normal um, household inflation. And so claims, in, claims is, uh, inflation is really bad. Um, interest, high interest rates are really good. Typically they correlate, um, but it's important that interest rates are higher than inflation rates. Then I think is a good cycle time for insurance carriers. Now we, we, we didn't have that for quite a while now. Um, interest rates were almost negative, or they were negative, uh, at least risk-free. Um, we still had a bit of inflation, um, not not much, of course, but if a bit. Now we have high inflation. Interest rates go up as well, but not as fast as inflation. There might be a time where this reverses, and we we have uh, positive real interest rates. And then I do think interest uh, insurance carriers and reinsurers will become more attractive again for this period where um, good real interest rates prolong. Okay. Okay, so do you think coming kind of coming back to 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 and and thanks for humoring me on on that one. Kind of coming back to, you know, insurers not versus but you know insurers versus uh, sales organizations, brokers, MGAs. Well, MGAs is a special topic, I guess. Um, do you what do you think has changed um, on that view? Has anything changed in the insurance industry from your conversations? Well, um, I mean, in the insurance. Yes, I mean, again, you know, I think insurance carriers and reinsurers have have grown less interesting um, for several reasons. One important one is indeed interest rates. Um, I think another one is a lot of insurance companies, primary insurers, have gotten rid of their sales channels. Um, and we come back to that why that is important a bit, um, and and by kind of you know let them into uh, into you know self-employed agents um, and not making the money anymore. That's number two. Number three, I think. There was a, and again, good interest rate environment, but there was a segment of investors that valued the the cyclicity of primary and, and especially reinsurers um, with net cats and so on. Um, and they went into hard markets, as they said, you know, as soon as a storm hits the US or so, they typically flood the, the Bermudan reinsurance players um, with money. Um, and then if market softens, they, they try to pull that out. So that was a give and take kind of thing. But, you know, and I think there, what has changed is, it's almost not a cycle anymore. I mean, we we are hit by natural catastrophes almost every several times every year, and there's there's almost no you know period of three four years without a major catastrophe anymore, which we had twenty years ago, right? Where you could employ as a as a PE, you could employ your capital for two or three four maybe sometimes six years or so without being hit by a major catastrophe, make a lot of money, and then go out of the market um, before the next storm hit or so. This is. Due to to the to the environmental issues, right? This is this is almost not possible anymore. It's it's not as cyclical. It's it's just it's just high loss. <laughs> so I think that's that's what what changed negatively in 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 the insurance carrier and reinsurance space. 
Um, and I think what changed in the insurance sales space is a much less really gets attached or is attached to insurers, uh, meaning fully employed. Um, they're still employed by them, but not 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 in a, in a, in a, in a legal sense. Um, so they're freelancers or, or agents or so. Um, that's number one. Um, so more of it is is separate from insurance carriers. Uh, also, the profit pool obviously gets separate from the insurance carrier. The the units also grow bigger. Um, so we had it was a, a super fragmented market in many many um, markets um, selling insurance, and now we see in many markets or in some markets we see a consolidation. And so all of a sudden, these super small entities become bigger entities. In some countries, they become household brands. So. You don't know only your your Geico and Progressive and all states. Uh, you also know your big brokers. At least when you're, let's say, a a an, a, a company. Um, in some case, in some countries, even if you if you're a private person, um, and so and they grow, right? Um, so there's a lot of uh, growth. There's a lot of takeovers, um, and uh, so I think this is this is what has changed on both sides. One has become a bit more attractive and visible. The others have become a bit less attractive, um, and so in in total, I think the the the, the the momentum is shifted and so kind of coming do you from a capital deployment i mean i certainly seem from an insure tech perspective let's see outside in it seemed that more capital was flowing into kind of the distribution side the maybe a product side and you know some capital was obviously deployed for carriers but the capital was then not really doesn't seem to be kind of you know some was parked but but a lot of it seemed to be deployed towards product distribution um at the end of the day and that seemed to hint that at least there seemed to be certain levels of economic profits to be to be gathered by making these things more well digital uh more effective more connected um where where how do you is is that the kind of conversation that you see as well? Let's say, you know, do, let's not talk about VCs, maybe more like private equity who are, um, they, they, they seem to go after sales organizations these days as well, rather than consolidating insurers. 100%. And even the, the, the capital market, the public market. I mean, um, there was a, um, um, a research, a piece of research lately in for the German market. Um, I think over a twenty or twenty-five year period, mutuals as carriers have won a lot of ground um, against um, public companies or mm -hmm. you know, um, 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 private companies. And so, you know, this is the result of of not much money having flown into the public companies in insurance uh, in the last twenty years or so, but rather capital has been you know, given back to to um, to to investors, whereas most mutuals obviously keep their keep their money. They they give a bit back to their to their to their customers, which uh, at the same time are their shareholders or owners. Um, there's no share, um, and and so I think that's the result is you know the 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 sub segment in insurance carriers that had not asked to give back a lot of capital because obviously investors have more attractive investment opportunities has gained a lot of ground um, against compared to to the, the public companies and you know that's public that's that's private equity capital same thing because not all the the um you know uh, companies corporation insurance carriers are listed so there's a lot of private capital as well private equity capital and it goes down until vc um which is a form of, of, of private equity basically and and it, it goes down the same way and and i think we had a time where a lot of founders um, started with a a distribution setup, um, complained about the cooperation of insurance carriers, and then talk their their VC investors into into you know funding an, an own carrier. But we don't see that a lot anymore, I guess. Uh, at, at the moment, you're, you're right. Uh, the the majority of VC capital, as well as PE capital, as well as public market capital, flows into um into sales like organizations and not into carrier anymore and and you know you could argue why why mutual the mutual setup might be the better setup for a carrier um because the you know the, the fight between how much is given back to to investors versus how much is distributed in claims um payouts is is a fight that you, in, in the public 
sphere, you, you pretty, pretty, pretty much can't win it. And so you can argue that that mutual is the better setup for a, for a carrier. Uh, yeah, I think I think they. You know, I I, I remember having that uh, having to write a paper on 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 that at at university. Um, but it, you know, I I I certainly see. You know, it's it's probably a discussion for another day. But uh, there seem to be uh, the way the service is structured, the way the incentives of the policyholders are kind of connected, which is not the case with lots of other services and products to to be honest in, in in exactly the same way and the way of potential contagion um uh, to the wider you could you know uh what's going to happen if you're you know whatever your electronics don't work you know exactly the way they work unless it's you know some huawei uh spyware right okay we don't want that but other than that you know um i think there is an interesting argument because insurance is this is a different beast um but kind of so what does that mean, right? So let's say for investors, for the insurers or sales organizations, for the people working in these organizations who might be listening and saying, well, this is interesting, but, you know, so it's it's 9.20 on a Monday. Uh, you know, this has nothing to do with me. Um, what what would be, or, or is it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, again, if, if, if that shift is happening, as, as we experience, um, then I do think in the long run, surely not in the short run, but in the long run, it does mean a couple of things for, for, for a couple of people. I mean, for investors, obviously, they, they've already learned, we don't tell them anything new. They've already learned that in the last couple of years, probably 10 or even 15 years, the total shareholder return or however they measure um, their, their, their return in sales organizations, insurance sales organizations was larger than in insurance carriers. Um, I do think that this will stay at least as long as we have significantly positive real interest rates. Then there might be a shift back, um, but until we don't see that, I'm pretty sure that total shareholder return will be higher in sales organizations than in carriers. Um, if you're looking for growth stocks in your portfolio, insurance carriers, with the exception of a few, is probably not the right investment. Um, in insurance sales organizations, you can find quite some picks um, that that are probably worth investing because they're up for growth. They have proven they can grow. Um, they they target further growth. So, growth. If if you if you're targeting growth stocks, then insurance sales is probably a segment to look at. If you're targeting dividend stocks, then I I'd, I'd probably say insurance carriers that are well set up um, are, are a good choice. Um, maybe some very large sales organizations are as well because their margin is fairly high. I mean, we, we know they have, they operate good, good sales organizations operate at a 25, 30% margin. So that can turn into a dividend stock, but most of them use their margin to acquire new business and, and grow. Um, but so, yeah. So, so then rather invest into, into insurance carriers. Um, if you're, if you're an organization, if you're a sales organization or insurance carrier, you know, sales organizations, you either need to grow to employ the, the, the profits you make uh, into growth um, and become a growth investment for, for investors and you'll easily find uh, money to invest into you. Or obviously you become a dividend stock, um, stop growth and give back the 25, 30% margin to, to investors. That's your choice. At least you have a choice, right? As an insurance carrier, that choice is much harder. It's super hard to grow really quickly. Um, and so the the only choice many public insurance companies are left is, is to turn into a dividend stock. And, and actually, most of them have turned into a dividend stock, right? I mean, um, there's, there's almost none left, uh, to my knowledge, that operates as a growth stock, uh, maybe Penang. Um, but but that's, that's really, that's really scaled down. Um, I do think that in sales, because it is so attractive at the moment for for investors, we will see new formats. Um, you've been talking a lot about embedded insurance, which is a format of, of, of insurance. I know it's, you know, obviously the main business is something different, but we will see, then we will see probably people that, as you said, you know, connect insurance carriers with embedded sales organizations or so. So we'll see, we'll see new stuff. We'll see employer paid um, schemes more than we have today. Um, we maybe see opt-out models where you know there's a there's a, a an obligatory insurance until and somebody you know opts out. I, I think we, we will see more formats because it is so attractive. A lot of money is flowing in and, and people are, are you know innovative and, and and find new ways. So I think for for sales organizations there will be new formats. Um, and again, it's also 
it's also the structural nature of insurance is that obviously if you kind of have the more people buy it the it you know there's not economies there's not a lot of economies you know you've talked about this in our conversation yeah. there's not a lot of economies of scale and scope no. within insurance companies or scale because you know a lot of it is 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 customer money is claims etc so any kind of investment then a lot of its distribution which is then outsourced it's wholesaling so you only have a you know your whatever 5 10 15% op, ops margin that even creates a lever however within the insurance product if you make a product optional versus obligatory and kind of structure that in an opt-out or yeah, kind of benefit structure, the capital cost and the claims cost to provide this protection is a 10x. It sometimes is a 20x. So it's structurally a product that is that changes fundamentally the dynamic. And if your goal and one of the goals of insurance is protection you know it's not investment it's protection then that is a very it's a very elegant way of of doing these things um it not every let's say organizational structure and all of their fixed costs and whatever they is necessary for something like that which is also again interesting because you then remove a, a lot of uh, fixed costs from the equation so i i, I do think that these models are very interesting and actually come back full circle on how insurance was originated in the first place, which is sometimes, 100%. you know, it's kind of always like first principle. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And you're touching an important point here, um, which is scalability, right? Insurance companies per se just have a lot, a large part of their, of their costs is claims. And that's how it should be. I mean, if we bring that down to 10%, it's not insurance anymore. Right. Um, so, so I mean, don't talk to some London liability underwriter. Okay. I understand. <laughs> okay. But okay, I understand. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's basically what you're here for. And so, and, and that's not, that's not scalable, right? I mean, if, if six out of $10 go back to, to the insured person as claims, then that, that's not scalable. Um, insurance is, is theoretically, we haven't proven that yet, but theoretically only scalable in the, in the, basically in the admin cost, um, meaning, you know, the number of, I don't know, uh, customers per employee or so should actually increase dramatically, which hasn't happened in the last 40 years, by the way, um, in, in insurance sales organizations on the other side, the the you know the fantasy of this becoming a uh, a a scalable business is still there because there's no fixed cost as 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 claims. Um, theoretically, you could replace everybody with with you know AI um, to explain to the customer what they should buy. Now again, this also hasn't happened yet, but in theory, there's potential to scale 100% of your operations in a sales organization versus in a insurance organization it's it's basically 10% of your cost base that theoretically could scale yep. and so that again makes makes insurance sales organizations more attractive to investors to pour money in um, and insurance companies actually more attractive to get money out um, yep. and so yeah and, and 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 you know finally and i think that that leads us to to our next topic you know there's there's obviously an implication for employees i mean in in insurance if you're working for an insurance carrier you know your CEO and, and your your board will be faced with more and more requests from from their owners to to at least scale in the in the ten percent range. And this is exactly where you are employed, right? This is the this is the admin cost. So I do see, and we do see actually that the insurance companies that still grow above market average typically are the ones that have lower admin costs than than ratios than than the competitors, right? Uh, it's it's hook twenty four in Germany, um, and, and you, you can you can go across the countries. It's you know, scaling in 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 uh, in admin um, in administration is a key factor for insurance companies, and so you as an employee will be faced with that. You know, there will be cost cutting rounds. Um, you haven't seen it yet, but there will be cost cutting rounds. We will need to increase the number of customers per employee by a factor of ten x or so. Um, and we've we've gone nowhere in the last forty years. So you 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 think you've seen cost cutting in insurance uh, carriers? There's no way you've seen anything, right? Yeah, this this is gonna this is gonna be massive in the next year. So be prepared, right? Um, I'm not saying this is all bad. Uh, there's obviously there's chances in in every in every turnaround, um, but this will hit you. Um, if not next year or, or or the year after, it will hit you the next five years or ten years. Um, in if you're working for a sales organization as an employee, this is the, the, the picture looks a bit brighter, but don't be fooled. A lot of sales organizations have grown and will continue to grow by takeovers, by mergers. 
and you know mergers create rumors and and, and turnover as well and so it's not it's not going to be a flat super journey um it could be for you if you're in the right in, in the right team or the right segment but there will be lots of ups and downs and, and uncertainties, you know, what happens if merger X goes through. So it's, it's, I guess it's a bit more positive in terms of there will be more people in the segment um, in total, but within the segment of, of, of insurance sales organizations, there will be lots of uh, turnovers and, and, and turnarounds and takeovers and, and un uncertainty. So, um, um, you know, your, your choice, uh, both, both is a valid option. Uh, but I, I think it's it's not going to be as as uh, easy and and uh, and sunny weather sailing as it has been in the last fifty years or so. And and I think you know whatever it is, um, it certainly it seems to be a good thought to kind of go. You you don't that's the I mean that's the nature of uncertainty and change. You don't exactly know where it's coming from. Otherwise, it really wouldn't be change, would it? Right? It would just be business as usual. But it you know kind of. I would invite people to do a certain thought experiment to kind of say, okay, what, how can I position myself within my existing organization or another organization where there is opportunity if things shifted? Because that's the thing, right? If things shift, um, there's there's always opportunity, right? Um, um, and I think that might be something that previously, if there isn't a lot of change, that is not a good career move to be the one who drives change because it's not requested. But if there is a lot of change coming, then it might actually be good, uh, you know, and these are things to, and there's lots and lots of things. And, you know, it's, it depends on your particular situation. Happy to have a chat about these things because these individual situations is different, but have a think about that. I would encourage everyone, you know, what if tomorrow is different than today? Uh, there are certain, uh, um, assets, ways, approaches, skills that are required for that. And I think that is probably going to be in higher demand than um, it used to be. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's, you know, that's, uh, again, that's that's a good um, segue to to the next topic, um, yeah. which is war for talent. And and you said, you rightly, rightly said, I think insurance and maybe also insurance sales organization have been a, a center of going concern, not much volatility in terms of, in terms of employees in the past um, that seemed to have led to a lack in talent um, because obviously more people want a challenge um, and, and, and change maybe than people wanted to sit in for the career for, for 40 years and, you know, slowly moving ahead or so. Um, and, and I don't know if that's the, if that's the main reason, but we seem to have ended up in a situation where we do struggle for talent in the insurance industry and we do, do not seem to be the first choice for many um, employees or potential employees, is that what you what you feel as well? I would say yes. So I, I would say that I think, as a whole, and there's always rules to the exception. Some companies do a terrific job at you know uh, uh, acquiring uh, and retaining talent, um, but I would say that in general, as an industry, and you hear that from everyone talking, how did you get up in insurance? And someone always makes some excusory if that's a word but you know makes up an excuse oh, i stumbled into it for me it was my dad and then i ended up or it was i was it? yeah everyone has this story and i don't think that has changed because of the perceived we, we, if you then talk to people and you know kind of get that layer and you go well but you you know it touches everything and you can look into everything and then it becomes very interesting but i think i think that holds true i think what you see is and when i mean war for talent i think and it's interesting it actually currently comes from both sides i think you you have a war for talent around technology um and i think that has been massively improved by insurtech etc because people have been exposed to the market to the problem to the opportunities um and i think that's a good thing there's been a huge influx of talent uh into the insurance sector that wasn't there 10 years ago. And I think that's good, just for the sector as a whole, for the problem worth solving. I think the second key thing um, is anyone, and maybe we'll find a word. For me, it's, you know, the, at the intersection of business development and, you know, product ownership. It's, it's those people who orchestrate and organize how the insurance product interacts with where it's being offered. 
Now, traditionally, you know, there was the guys who went, I'm, I'm being facetious, go drinking with a broker. It was very relationship-based. There's nothing to do with the product. Um, now And now this is different to kind of saying, who's going to construct an employ employer opt-out scheme? Who's going to go to a bank and explain to them how to, what, you know, insure all the buildings as a financer rather than an owner, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So these are different skills. And I think that's the interesting. Who's going to negotiate with all these bigger broker organizations? What, what How's that going to work out? Who's going to drive that? And so I think insurers have been very inward looking. And I think they now have more variants outward looking and since so that intersection and it requires a lot of things, you know, business, product, technology, uh, innovation, creativity, uh, being true to your word, delivering, you know, it's, it's, it's at, at that intersection. But equally, if you and a lot of insurance, um, you know this better on the sales side, call center side, etc. But if you're kind of looking on some of the fulfillment side. Um, some insurance products need, you know, their services, not just paying out. Someone needs to organize a lot of things. That's the, you know, that's what people miss, right? It's not just a virtual, it's a virtual promise, but then it's an actual delivery. Someone organizing that your pipe gets fixed, right? Someone needs to, 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 to organize that. Um, and it's really hard staffing call centers, getting, getting that because there you have, um, Maybe it's a corona-induced or previously a different warp. People wouldn't probably call them call that talent uh, in a kind of arrogant way, but talk to people who are staffing call centers and ask them how to how they get to you know to people to to do these jobs well. Um, and so you have that other influx. Um, and so I would say, yeah, insurers um, need to up their game. Um, to get ready and sales organizations, you know, the, the market and sales organizations um, to benefit from the tremendous opportunities that this great product that everyone needs and no one wants, and it's, it's always going to be there, uh, needs to needs to do. But yeah, I think it's kind of tech data, business development product, um, and then fulfillment, call center, whatever you want to call it. When we look at the numbers, the the biggest outflow seems to be in sales, right? I mean, there's this uh, in Germany, there's ten thousands per year going out of sales, and mainly insurance sales organizations. Is that a thing that they deliberately started um, by releasing them into 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 um, self employment, or I think it's interesting. I mean, I, the truth is, I do not know. Um, I would. I would say that in a way, you know, it sounds attractive variabilizing certain costs. <laughs> it, sound, it sounds really attractive, right? It, I, I like variabilizing costs as a decision maker. It just, it's easier because otherwise I need to take a bet on the, on, on the future and the future is uncertain. Now, as variabilizing costs usually are in certain scenarios, they become, they, you can't get them down. I think that's what people sometimes, you know, there's, there's no free lunch. So it's a, you, you, it's, 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 it's a good blend. And I think almost, it's, it's almost like a cycle that people kind of go, okay, if I can get leads in a different way, if do I still need these people? And, you know, there's no, if I have a long customer lifetime value, I always have, um, or I, if I'm unsure about a long customer lifetime value, I want to kind of verbalize these things. And I think that was some of these measures were probably driven by, as you've said, making yourself look good for investors mm. because it looks good on an annual account, releasing fixed costs. It just, just doesn't, 10 years ago, 10 years down the line, it just will look exactly the same because, you know, as you scale or, you know, so I think that's probably one of the reasons. Now, the interesting thing, and I think that's something that you've experienced as well, almost all organizations, um, InsureTech incumbent, there seems to be, you need in almost every play, inject a human element. If you call it sale, if you call it advice, if you, you know, into the equation. So the 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 hope for selling, from a customer point of view, a low-touch, highly complex product without some human agent to guide someone through that process 
has up to date has not hold true. And so if you look at anyone growing, very few people have managed to do that without a certain significant investment in their distribution infrastructure. And it's not infrastructure, it's it's, it's kind of people. Some have, yeah. but few, I, 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 I know more where it was like, ah, got it. That's how you did it. Smart. Old school. I agree. I agree. And I think before we touch upon how can we retain existing and win new talent, there's this, I think there's a correlation. You, you rightfully said, you know, insurance, the insurance industry has tried to variableize costs. Um, for me, variableizing cost is actually a sign of weakness because if you think you can scale and win inefficiency, you should look for fixed costs. Yep. That's what all the tech companies do, right? They have fixed costs, development costs, and, and you know, yep. you name it. Uh, but they think they can scale it with a, with with uh, with additional volume, and I think what happened in the in, in the insurance industry uh, at large, again, um, not not for single players, but is we've we've rather tried to variableize costs than to win in efficiency, and that's the reason we haven't won in efficiency. That's the reason yep. we, we we still need the number of people we we had 10, 20, 40 years ago. Because nobody was looking for 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 large efficiency improvements. I mean, we've seen the sales organizations going from two meet two customer meetings a day to eight or nine customer meetings a day with the, the support of technology. But typically, those are the sales organizations that fully employed their 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 salespeople, um, and not and were not driven by by commission schemes and stuff. And so, my question is, would we you know when we when we talk about winning efficiency and and decreasing the number of employees we need for the same number of customers or for the same volume or so, shouldn't we shouldn't we look at different measures? And yes, there might be a peak of 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 time where we need more people in order to you know, yep. to find the transition. But even in the in the tech space where you said we're we're lacking employees, I mean, and you know it better than I do. But modern tech stacks, insurance tech stacks can be maintained so much easier and with so much less people than the old you know, yep. 70 years mainframe. I mean, we, we need, yeah, I need, we need this, this, this peak once we need to climb the peak once, but then we end up with a much better setup requiring much less people to maintain it or further develop it. And so my question to you is, is shouldn't we rather look at making that transition now, um, now that we still have a couple of, of employees left, let's, I mean, the situation is not getting better, right? So no, absolutely. I think, and I think, I think you're absolutely right. And anyone with a high conviction will choose and uh, adequate financing. But again, you know, or it doesn't even need adequate financing. It just needs high conviction to get to a certain milestone that will then allow you to get further financing. That's you know, that's the that's that that's the will go for fixed versus variable because then only then can you benefit from from the scale otherwise it it doesn't um and i think that yes so to your point i think what would help um if as an efficiency metric it to not focus on combined ratios which can hide efficiency but go through um contract throughput and kind of put it on onto a contract or even better putting it onto uh, uh what's the geschäftsvorfälle kind of in interactions Office. on a contract yeah. because the truth is also just a contract because we you know better than me a motor insurance contract is more complicated and harder to digitalize than a private liability insurance contract now currently it's in because it's, it has kind of higher premium but but that's not really the that, that's not really a, a direct causality uh, of that. So I think if we go to somewhere around um, headcount on number of customer interactions or something like that, and the first one might be, if it's simpler, on contracts, that will show you a certain level of efficiency. I would then argue it to make that metric even closer is probably to de detect run and change. What you've said, I most companies... Um, yes, as the product matures, tech companies, um, they they expand sales, right? Because that is how, but they normally don't contract the development team either. Yeah. 
because a technology product is also not done, right? It needs maintenance, it's technology debt. So you'll increase that. So I think it it is interesting to see what is being done on the run of certain things. Uh, so you, because otherwise, again, unless, and you can put them beside each other and also have the complete figure because otherwise you, you can make that metric better by, by removing future investments and, you know, just building up tech debt that won't be seen in, in the metric. Um, and so I think, yes, insurers, and they are in a way, right? They are, I don't know, a single CIO who's not having some form of project, et cetera, to update their mainframe and uh, kind of, and these are usually efficiency gain driven, driven measures. Um, it's, it's tough to find the right people within the organization and outside of the organization because these things uh, don't happen that often. But yeah, I would say that now, you know, or how the Chinese proverb go, you know, 20 years was the right time. The second best time is to plant a tree. The second best time is today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and yet we haven't seen the results of, of all of these investments yet, right? I mean, we haven't seen, I mean, when, you know, when when car manufacturers started to use robots uh, in their factories, we've seen huge layoffs. Um, it was all over the press, um, and I would expect from a from a successful CIO project, and some of that have, had started twenty years ago. So I would I would expect to see some effects um, as of today, but we haven't seen those huge layoff waves uh, nowhere actually. Not not in the US. Not in you, not in not in Europe, not in UK. And we see that in Asia a bit. I mean, I, I remember um, Ping N got rid of I don't know ninety thousand outbound call agents because uh, you know AI could do it. Um, but we haven't seen it here. And and I wonder, although those project has partially been twenty years old, we haven't seen the the results yet. Or have they been failed? Uh, have they failed? I mean, I would say there's 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 very few. Uh, I would say kind of core system transformation projects that have delivered on the point towards the efficiency gains that they would expect. Um, and I would also be cautious to make layoffs the one and catch all measure of success. Personally, I think it is interesting. You, you know, without looking at customer growth types of products, investment in new lines, type of talent within an organization so i think i think you you can actually manage that process without you know in a in a kind of employee friendly way as well not to say that you know some layoffs might be in 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 order but i i wouldn't say that without these layoffs people are not doing it well um personally Let's call it um, reduction. But but if you are arguing the number of policies per employee is a rough success mm -hmm. number, and we are not winning in policies, which we don't in in continental Europe because you know we're not winning more people and they're not and the the the, the density sure. is not is not growing. So there needs to be a a, 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 re, a reduction in employees. Now you don't need to lay them off, but you know that you need to find a way to to serve the same amount of. Contracts. I I agree. No, I, I I agree. But but I would say that's what I mean. You know, it doesn't have to be a splash. If some of these things are just because the two uh, the the both of us have not seen them on our LinkedIn feed doesn't know that there is a gradual reorganization happening. But because it's gradual, um, it it it's not as as splashy. Um, but yeah, I would say in I would I would come back. It's technology you know, technology, uh, data, product, but also kind of business development and put product there as well, because as you're now interacting with different uh, um, sales organizations with different needs, um, your service, your product needs comes a lot about, you know, data integrations, how to design certain things. And, and I think those two things are certainly something that will uh, be in high demand. Um, and it's also a great way to be at the intersection of change because what's always easier to drive change is if you have an outside agent supporting that rather than internally to say, oh, we should, we should, we should, we should, we should. And then they were always right, right? You know, um, 
I, I think um, if you, it's it's always easier to kind of come with an opportunity driven, uh, I say, or I don't know, regulation or something where you have to do it rather than going, oh, I, th I think we should change this because, you know, we don't know when it's going to happen. So I think focusing on that, but making sure that delivery and staffing, some of those things that cannot be, uh, that still need, need need people is is equally important. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, independently of how much efficiency improvements you will you will manage to do, um, with all the baby boomers retiring in the next 10 or 15 or whatever years, uh, you'll most likely end up in a situation where you're lacking um, talent, at least in some areas of your organization. So another question is, how can I win those um, or potentially keep the talent that I have longer? Um, yeah. Whatever, whatever the answer is to, to, this, to this talent gap. Um, you know, being an insurer, which again just doesn't have the the high reputation with the public uh, that it potentially deserves. But let, let's let's say we will not change that uh, in the short time, right? Um, it hasn't changed for the last hundred years. It, it's always been a a good cause. A you know the 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 lucky um, support the unlucky people. It's it, it's actually always been a saving the world kind of thing. But we haven't managed to communicate that. Let's let's pretend we can't communicate that in future as well. How can I, as a single organization? being part of that unloved industry can yeah. keep existing or retain more new talent. And, and so here's obviously, you know, this, there's no one, one size fits all. And, and some of the ideas were just things that we've done for ourselves that we've observed with some of our insurance partners who seem to attract talent faster than, than others. And so it's, it's a imperfect, highly, a subjective view about this this topic. Um, one of the main things I think is thinking that recruitment is this function and that someone else will fill up your team. And that you're too busy, you know, it's it's very simple. It's if something is important and you're not allocating time, it's not that important or don't expect great results. So and what I mean by that is, is to be, you should always as a team, as anyone that wants to fill a team, talk to people, build relationships, be involved in that process. I'm not saying that you should be the first one on every message, right? But it's very different to have someone um, reach out to you, um, who you're probably going to work with than some HR rep, who also, he or she, very rarely can talk about how the business is actually done because they, 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 they do not represent what it, and that's what you want, right? You don't. And, and so I think that's the key thing. You need to kind of put that in center. Now, I believe that you, you can, and, and we can go into certain hacks about, it, but that's the core thing. If you, if you, if you're too busy to figure out who your team is, then, well, ex don't expect great results. It's, 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 it's not a repeatable process. I think the second thing, and this is particularly important with uh, uh, technical talent or, uh, you know, generation, uh, uh, is it generation Y? Is that? Z? I don't know. <laughs> or Z? It doesn't, I'm out doesn't, of it. <laughs> um, I'm gold. You know, that people tend, they, they uh, are looking for, and some are offering it, whether you like it or not, exciting problems to solve and uh, with with kind of technologies that excite them. I think you you can do without having, you know, saving the world, but I think being able to explain to someone why this is interesting and uh, rather than paying a good salary is certainly something that is worth thinking about. Yeah. Um, what I find really interesting on a lot of insurance, they're still very, very restrictive about remote work. Very. Um, and there's different reasons uh, uh, for it. Um, but but ultimately, I think it, it has a lot to do with um, the complexity of being able to lead, manage, and quite frankly, sometimes also reward and punish people who are not in the same room. Or it's much more complicated. It's it's much easier managing people that are close by. You 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 kind of see how they interact. You see the it's it's very powerful. 
Um, and it's not controlling or, you know, hierarchical old white men. It's just very powerful. You go into a room and you feel it and it's good and you you can they can sense, you know, it's good to build community. It's good to incentive. You know, it's great. Um, however, if you if you can't access all your talent in that kind of very locational pool, um, then you need to find something else. And I think that's where people are scared uh, of doing and I mean, full remote, um, being able to to um, integrate fully remote workers into your team is certainly a skill set that will be continued to develop because it's really good for a lot of employees, not for everyone, but for 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 a lot of employees and the genius kind of out. I think in, probably one of the largest industry that could allow yeah close to 100% remote. Yeah. Um, the others would probably be lawyers, um, potentially banking or I don't know, tax accountants or whatever, much smaller industries, except for banking uh, than we are. Uh, but ask a department store, ask, ask H&M or, or Ikea, um, or ask, you know, people with big factories, um, VW or so. I mean, they don't even have the choice to do this. Yeah. So funny that that we as an industry seem to be so reluctant. And and I'm not saying that it's not complicated to do so, but I think it's, it's uh, I would imagine that you'll also kind of have a change in guard with, uh, you know, for me, for example, becoming a dad, having a, a double income kind of family set up, hugely drove up the benefit of being physically at home, mm. hugely. And I'm not saying that it wouldn't be nice to go for lunch with my colleagues and I'm, 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 I'm losing something, but I'm gaining something else. And I think it's, when you talk about work-life balance, it's not just gym membership, right? Um, or, or, or free, free mojitos on a, on a Friday. And then kind of just conscious of time, I think a fourth yeah. one in, in, in content, it's that not being able, you know, having to speak German or having mm. to speak French or having, which again, for some parts of the organization or, or not being able to figure out how to teach people a, a certain language, right? Mm. So it, it does restrict that, 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 that talent pool significantly and, um, so those would be kind of the four things uh, in, in in total, and we can go into more. But um, conscious of time, we said yeah. two topics. Um, but yeah, th those are some things that I observe, and it's um, a shame. Yeah, it is. It is, and you know, some things are easily fixed. I mean, as you say, if it's important to you, you need to deal with it. Um, there's no way to outsource very important things, and so um, and and yeah, as always, offering a good perspective to people will will drive them in i mean maybe not in the amount you need them but but much much more than than and all the other things you know having yeah. a good a fair salary good compensation just call on top of it i'm, I'm just yeah. kind of picking um those things that um the insurance industry and, and those i talk to where i always go wow okay you know it's it's interesting that you remove these options from from your arsenal i would not yeah, and I don't. True, 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 true. Cool. I think that cool. wraps it up again. Two topics that that um, were close to our minds and heads in the last uh, week or so um, that we've been discussing before. And, and now I want uh, to offer you a perspective. Again, it's our very subjective perspective. You might have something different. I'm happy for you to get in contact with one of us or to leave your comments. Um, but those are our perspective on uh, the world order and the war for talent. Um, glad you joined us and uh, see you next time. Oli, thank you very much. Thanks everyone Bye -bye. for listening. Take care. Bye.